Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris. Uh, tonight, I have. Coming back to the show, the bulldozer Matt Tremont. What's going on, man? How are you, brother? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I know you got a lot going on. Um, it's been a while since I talked to you, so I kind of want to go back um, to some of the last year's stuff a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so last year, uh, you had the world title of CZW for a long time, you know, a big title run. Um the, I guess the plan was to culminate it in a feud that, that kind of spun into, you know, IWA versus CZW kind of thing. Um, and, you know, that kind of fell apart. You know, what was your thoughts on, you know, the whole going into that? Because it, it looked awesome the way they had, you know, Ian come out, distract you. And, um, you know, how did you feel about the whole way, you know? I, uh, I was pretty I was pretty excited for it because I, I always like work, working with Ian. Ian's always been good to me and, you know, giving me a lot of opportunities over the years. So I was happy, uh, you know, Josh and Dale came in and Ian came in and, 
the angle had a lot of potential, and it was kind of thrown together last minute because the original Cage of Death plan was for me and for me and Gage to happen in the cage, but uh, Gage went away again, so we had to, you know, come up with something on the fly. And then, uh, but you know, we got to the cage. We had the cage match, and that was pretty much it. We had the tag match at Night of Infamy too. Me and Cannonball against Josh and Dale, and I was in the, the squared circle of sacrifice. I'm very happy with that match. It's one of my favorite matches that year. But uh, no, nah, I, I wish I had some longevity and could have went longer. But at the end of the day, I'm not in the behind the scenes, and I'm you know I'm just I'm there to perform and do my job. But I. Definitely could have had some, you know, legs. You know, uh, I wish an interpromotional feud could have came out of it, but you know, that's just yeah. one for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I looked at it too. It was like, man, I mean, you know, after having the title for that long, for that to end in a way where, you know, you're kind of torn because you're king of the death match, you're you know, tournament of death. I mean, you've won them all. You know, it, I think that would have been really cool. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So, you know, shortly after Cage of Death, um, I think is when you turned into the uh, the Awakening angle. How did that all come about? That was, that was pretty pretty much all my all my brain job. I think after I dropped the belt, uh, kind of just going in a different creative direction for me personally because I just, as far as me and CZW, I, I've done everything there is to do. So I, I wanted to challenge myself as a performer and – do a you know a real heel turn this time and 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 you know really give it a shot and be able to uh, you know start a stable uh, very Kevin Sullivan Purple Haze 1980s Florida territory influence and mm-hmm. uh, you know we formed the Awakening and did the whole angle of Joey building to the cage match uh, this past May uh, but yeah it was you know the whole father thing the you know the Awakening bringing in Stock and Raver and forming this stable. Uh, was you know something I wanted to do, and I, I thought it, I thought it was going well, but they uh, they they cut the they cut the legs out of it when I thought it still had some you know momentum. But you know again, mm-hmm. I'm not in the behind the scenes, and you know even though I got some tenure there, and you know don't got too much say because you know me, I don't get involved with politics and uh, and the right. the creative because I just don't want that headache, and you know I, I got. Uh, enough good stuff on my table to to dwell on anything negative, but I thought the sure. fans were thinking it, it. It was something different for me, and uh, I definitely thought it had some legs in CZW. But like I said, once they cut the legs out from it, I'm like, you know, people were enjoying it, and now we've been able to take the awakening uh, to you know numerous other promotions, and it's going well. Yeah, uh, you know how difficult was that? Because I know the first heel, um, the heel turn didn't really work out. I mean, you're just too over. I mean, you know, there's not a lot you yeah. can tell these fans that they're gonna not like you. So I mean, how difficult no, is mean, that to to turn them? It's definitely tough. I mean, you know, from and I know from being a fan for of CZW for so long, especially doing the hardcore stuff. After you do so much and you give so much of your body to that crowd, that uh, you built that respect with them and they appreciate everything you've done. So it's it's really hard to uh, become a heel in, in their in their eyes once you've done so much uh, for them and for their entertainment. So it was definitely a task, um, but I, I thought it. You know, I was you know they're not going to you know truly hate me at the end of the day, but I definitely right. feel like. You know, uh, the angle itself, the stable, and Father Matthew was picking up some steam, and they were, and they were buying into it, and because it, it was something different. But deep down inside, you know, you know, it, it is tough, like you said, because I've done so much for the company over the years. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes when a character is over as you, you know, turns heel, I mean, you can go out there and tell the fans, you know, you're, you're pieces of shit, and a few of them are going to go, oh, I don't know, maybe he's right, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I thought you did a good thing with it. And um, so, obviously, you know, coming forward from that, just to stay on CZW, um, you went into the Onita match. And, um, yeah. you know, the, the Onita match came from you – pushing for it a hundred percent right yeah that that was all me that was you know with, with all of I, i've accomplished i only had really had a few more things up on the bucket list and one of them was to get to japan so i shoot uh called out onita for you know well over a year and one of the promos i did finally got his attention through the power of social media and uh you know that's when negotiations probably started probably in january or february of this year uh, to bring him in at some point in, in 2017. And eventually we brought him in, you know, for once in a lifetime in August and, you know, did that deal. And then really the, the whole goal of it was for me to get to Japan, uh, which right. eventually happened. So getting him here was just kind of icing on the cake. Uh, and it was, you know, something special. Just a lot of people always wanted to meet and see Onita. And, uh, and but, but the whole goal in mind was for me to get there but in the midst of all this, we were able to get him here and have the match that we had here. Uh, and then two mm. months later, I was, you know, finally able to go to Japan. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, obviously, you know, being able to bring the guy to the States alone, because that's something that many promotions try to do over the years and failed. Um, I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. Um, but, you know, a lot of people were really hyped up about the one-on-one match and, you know, felt kind of swerved, you know, at the last minute for it to become a six-man um, what was your thoughts on it? And, you know, I mean, again, you're not the behind the scenes guy, but you know, what was your thoughts? Sure. Um, I think basically, I think definitely as far as PR and public relations and, and the promotion of it all, CZW probably could have came out and said it was, you know, I, I think they knew about two weeks prior that it was going to be, become a six-man tag, and that was basically because uh, for the last two and a half years, Onita only did six-man tags, eight-man tags, and a lot of multi-man matches because mm-hmm. of his age, uh, because of his sure. health. Uh, so they, uh, and I've told DJ that we, you know, they probably could have came out and advertised it as a six-man, and I still think the draw would have been the same because I, I, I think the appeal was Onita coming to the States and finally wrestling, and w- which he did. So I, I don't think it would have hurt the house because they drew a mm-hmm. great house that night. But I can I can yeah. definitely understand the fans' testament as, as feeling you know a swerve or you know pulling pull, pulling the carpet you know out from underneath them. But I think in the end, obviously you know there was the naysayers of the match. But if and then you know I don't know I, I forget exactly what the gimmick and stipulation was promoted as. But I, I you know I hope people going in didn't expect 1995 Onita and stuff like that. But in the end, it was nostalgic. It, it, it was special. And, you know, we were able to go one-on-one for probably about five to six minutes before it got turned into the six-man tag. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you know, to me, at the end of the day, I, I want to do good business, and you never want to rip off the fans. So, like, I definitely felt bad afterwards because I, I, I read the negativity online. Uh, but sure. out, out of it, I know there was a lot of people still happy that we got him here. We were able to pull it off, get him here, have him wrestle. You know, a lot of people – a lot of people showed up for the uh, the meet and greet before the show, and they met him. And I think overall, everybody really uh, had a good experience overall. Besides, 
you know, it becoming a six-man tag again. Yeah. Now, you know, going into that match, because, I mean, leading up to it was just, you know, so excited as a fan for, you know, us to see, you know, you getting this dream match. And again, you know, him coming to the States, as far as we knew, it was going to be a one-on-one. But either way, him coming to the States for Matt Tremont, for, you know, that was his goal was to come here and work you. He wasn't going on a U.S. tour. He was coming over to work Matt Tremont. Um, You know, going into that, the excitement as a fan was through the roof. Now, shortly before this this event, you you end up in the hospital, and now everyone goes from super excited to super worried. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, take take me through that, you know, and talk a little bit about what happened leading up to that. Sure, uh, I, I believe it was two weeks prior or a week and a half prior. I I had a triple shot weekend. I was in Brooklyn, New York, Chicago, uh, Chicago and then Atlanta. Uh, and then from from the time from the New York show to the Chicago show, we were in the car driving, and my elbow started to blow up. It started to look like Popeye's arm, and I just thought it was yeah. a bursitis on my elbow, which I've had before. And all of that is 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 fluid buildup. Um, mm-hmm. And then by the time by the time we got to Chicago and everybody in the car, uh, I'm in a you know a, a decent amount of pain now, and my arm is just ballooned up you know, probably five times the size that a normal elbow should look like. So I know yeah. something's wrong, and it's not just a normal bursitis. So we were, it was CZW versus Freelance, that show. I taped my arm up. I still wrestled. And then, you know, in an in incredible amount of pain at the time, I'm still going to go out there and do my job. And then uh, I had to fly from Chicago to Atlanta, Georgia, that uh, the following morning to wrestle Tank at NWA Wildside. So I want, you know, uh, I got back to my hotel. I wanna, I tried to drain my elbow myself just to relieve some of the pain. And then I caught my flight and flew to Atlanta and then eventually Cornelia, Georgia. And I was able to, uh, I wrestled Tank, Tank's wife uh, as a nurse. So she was able to drain some of the bacteria and fluid out of my elbow to relieve some of the pressure and the pain, taped it all up and still wrestled. And then went immediately to the airport and flew home. By the time I got home off the air off the airplane, and this was this is now Sunday morning around 9 a.m. Buddy of mine picks me up from the airport, uh, drops me off at my store because uh, the, the wife just opened the store for the day. And mm-hmm. by this time, I'm white as a ghost, and whatever was in my elbow, I am now fully infected. Has got into my bloodstream, and I am sick as a dog now. And she just looks me up and down. She says, get out of the store and go to the hospital. So I had, I had my buddy take me to the hospital. And by this point, I could barely walk. I, I could not walk, and I couldn't talk. So they, the, the people from the ER had to come out, put me in a wheelchair, and it admitted me right away, got me an IV and fluids and all this stuff, and just had a really bad infection that started in my arm that got into my bloodstream, which became a real bad blood infection. And uh, at this point, uh, my my arm is ten times the size of what it should be. I'm sick as a dog. It, it's it's coming out of every end. And uh, you know, I was in there total for eleven days. But when by when I first got admitted, uh, I was so sick now from from the infection that got in me. Uh, they told me that my white blood cell count was in the thirty thousands when they said a normal human being should be 10 and 11,000. So right off the wow. bat, I knew I'm, I'm sick as a dog. 
and they 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 admit me right away. I'm putting a I'm putting a room at Virtual and Voorhees, and I've been there a million times for other things. And then um, probably about day four, they can't figure out what's going on. Uh, they can't figure out what the right antibiotic is to pump into me to get this infection to go away. So at one point the doctor comes in and, and they tell me, Matt, you might lose your right arm because we don't know what's going on. So that really, you know, set me set me back. So from that point, so yeah, yeah. this was two weeks out. So once they told me I, I could possibly lose my arm and there's no way uh, I'm getting, it, you know, dis, discharged out of the hospital, the following weekend I had another triple shot weekend with Game Changer and Hybrid and then and another show. I was supposed to wrestle Abyss and Schlack at GCW. So I had to, I had to cancel off all three of those shows. And mm-hmm. then the following week was the Anita show. And then probably about, I think, day number seven or eight, they uh, the, uh, a specialist had to come in from three hours away. They did all kind of tests and stuff. Finally found the right antibiotic to pump into me to, to start to get the swelling down and to get the, you know, to clean the infection, I guess, or whatever. And mm-hmm. then probably about day nine or ten, you know, finally my arm started to go back to normal size. Uh, the infection, you know, because I, I had a, you know, was in and out of a fever and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, by day 11, you know, I, my, my arm was pretty much back to normal as far as the, uh, the swelling going down. I was still sick, but the infection wasn't as bad. And now we're three days out. And this, this was now Thursday, uh, three days, you know, two days, two or three days before the Onita show. And I knew at this point, you know, this, all, all the work that we that I did to get this match, and I, I just knew I wasn't going to miss this match and this show for anything. It truly was once in a lifetime for me because I know if I missed it, this would never the, the opportunity to have this match would never happen again. So right. I, I knew I, I was I was feeling a lot better. Like I said, my, my arm it was back to normal size. The infection itself was gone, but I you know it was still very far from a hundred percent. Uh, but I mm-hmm. signed myself out of the hospital. I told all the doctors I was signing myself out. Um, much to their chagrin, you know, they, they definitely wanted to keep me another three to four days, keep running tests and, and pumping antibiotics in me. Uh, but they definitely understood where you know, I was coming from and what I had coming up. Because that hospital knows, like I said, they know me very well from being in there many other times before. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is, this is about, it truly is once in a lifetime and a big opportunity for me. So, like I said, I shoot signed myself out of the hospital, and uh, John Carlo was the one who picked me up from the hospital, and we immediately went to my store and the dojo and filmed that Onita promo, which he then put together to make that amazing, uh, you know, video package for the match itself. So he picked me up. So as soon as I got out of the hospital, right back to work to get ready for this Onita show, which is which which was less than three days. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, I don't know if there's any, you know, discussion with the people in the hospital. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go sign myself out and wrestle a Japanese deathmatch legend. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many times they've heard that before, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's some crazy stuff, man. I, I don't know how you even kept focused. I know, you know, a lot of work put into it and everything, but to keep focused on wrestling when there was a point where your, your arm could be gone. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it 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 was a it was a long eleven days, you know. And my my wife was there every single night. She stayed with me at the hospital on top of running the store and just you know daily life in in general. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't gonna miss that match. I mean, 
for for anything, you know, unless I had a bullet in me and I was on life support, I was not going to miss that match. You know, and I, well, going into that match, uh, I watched it probably two weeks later, and I, I lost, well, the, the 11 days I was in there, I barely ate. I lost 18 pounds in those 11 days. I was still sick as a dog, and I go back and look at that match. I'm like, I am far, I am far from 100% and, and healthy going into this, but like I said, I wasn't going to miss it for the world. I, my My right arm, Probably just not as probably about three weeks ago, I finally have full mobility in my right arm again because it really affected my mobility in my arm and other things. But just 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 as just as close as three weeks ago, I finally am probably a hundred percent probably from you know that stint in the hospital all these months later. Wow. So you know, over this uh, this past year especially, um, things have really turned up in GCW. Um, you've had all sorts of dream matches. Um, I mean, 2017 for you, I mean, it's been insane. Um, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I don't know how you top this year. I really don't. Um, um, going in, you wrestled Supreme, another death match legend. Um, what was your thoughts on that match going in? How did, how did that get done? Uh, that was, yeah, just, I mean, the, the, the hard work of, of Brett and Dan, you know, they bust their ass to really, you know, put on the best shows possible month in and month out. And I really enjoyed my time there. And that was one of those matches, like, Brett was like, hey, you know, we're going to bring Supreme in. And uh, I believe the show I worked the month, whatever show it was, the, the show before that Supreme match, uh, shooting, whoever I wrestled at that show, uh, Brett comes in the ring, whispers in my ear, hey, do you want Supreme next month? in the ring and I said of course he's like okay call him out <laughs> so that's how I found out right then and there about that supreme match the show before I called him out and then we had the match you know the show later uh but now I, I was you know uh, as always a big CW fan as I was I was always an XPW fan and followed the, always enjoyed supreme's work and I thought uh I, I was very fond of the match that we had I thought we told a, a good story you know, obviously, you know, another occasion kind of similar to Anita Supreme's, you know, mid-50s. Uh, that was his first match in many, many years, so he's extremely limited to what he could do in the ring. Uh, but, I, I uh, you know, I felt the story we put together as far as, you know, working my eye and, you know, all that stuff that we did in the match, I, I was very happy with the end result and the, and the story that we told uh, working with Supreme. Yeah, and now I mean you you bled like fucking crazy in that match, and and it wasn't long after that that you went to Deep South. It was like a couple, you know, kind of like it, you, you consistently heard like, man, Tremont was fucked up, and then like yeah. a, a couple <laughs> days later, it's like, man, Tremont was fucked up. It's like you mean the other match, right? No, again, it's like holy shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I called, I had the Carnage couple was like, I think the fo- less than a week later. And I got yeah. I got a pretty bad cut on my head, and I had to go to hospital at Carnage Cup because the cut would just not close with super glue or, or uh, you know, whatever they had. So I, I had to get about eight staples in my head to close the wound uh, at Carnage Cup because I, I was bleeding like a stuffed pig. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, now Carnage Cup was something that at some point or another you were pretty much done with doing. You, you know, you did it, and then you kind of stayed away from the Deep South for a while. Um. Were you just trying to, you know, retour the circuit again as far as the deathmatch tournaments, or, you know, what was your reason for going back? Yeah, pretty much what you said. I mean, I, I at th- at this point, I, uh, NGI didn't happen yet, but 
I've, I've won all the all the deathmatch tournaments in the U.S. that mean something. And then earlier in the year, I started to allude that this would be my final year doing the tournaments. So I wanted mm-hmm. to do as many as I could possible. So that's that's pretty much why I went out and did, you know, one more Carnage Cup. Yeah. Um, so you pretty much closed that chapter now at this point or with the Deep South? Yeah, pretty Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I, I told Kevin, like, I, I would still go out and work for him and do non-tournament matches. Um, but, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, definitely definitely sticking to my word, uh, you know, to all the promotions and, and all the tournaments that, you know, this last year to make it special, to, to make me and Nikki's match, you know, mean even more when, when I want NGI that this 100% uh, would be my final year just doing the tournaments because a lot of people were getting confused that I was – retiring from death matches, you know, all in all, but that's far from the case of I have done plenty of death matches since, but 100%, you know, this was my last year participating in the tournaments themselves. Right. Um, now another guy, you know, had a big resurgence in the past year. You got to wrestle a few times, I think homeless Jimmy. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on working him and you know what he's been able to do, you know, coming back after, all these years are really not, you know, you didn't hear a ton about homeless Jimmy and he's, he's really made a huge impact. Yeah. Homeless, another one, another XPW guy, you know, Oh, I watched and always enjoyed his work and, you know, GCW bringing in another, you know, legend of the game. And now I, I had a fun with, was fun one with him. Uh, one of the nicest guys you can meet. And I really, I really enjoyed working with him. And that was another instance. So, you know, GCW giving me another, you know, another dream match and another guy to knock off the bucket list. Yeah. Um, now that they put the GCW title on you um, against Kyle, the beast, um, obviously there's, there's some CCW GCW heat. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be with you guys personally as workers or anything. Cause there's a lot of guys that work both companies, but, um, yeah. you know, holding, holding the title and being the head of GCW becoming, <laughs> you know, the face of GCW amongst all of yeah. this, this back and forth, you know, how does that feel to you? It, uh, I, I, I've told DJ, I've told Brett and, and they, and anybody who knows me at the end of the day, I do not want to be involved in anyone's drama. Cause I, I honestly could care less. I, I, I want both companies to do well do good sure. business, and, and I want to come in and do my job and, and make my money and, and make sure I give the fans their money's worth. So I, I always told DJ and Brett, I'm like, cause, you know, there were times, you know, the, the heat between the the heat between the two has really fizzled down, and both companies are kind of just doing their thing now, and I'm very happy, especially with both companies being next door to each other, having dojos now. So yeah. really, you know, the tensions have really gone down. I'm I'm glad no one's really, you know, uh, there nobody's at neck and neck, and they're, everybody's just doing their thing and doing good business. Uh, but now there were there were times it kind of put me in an odd position and uh, you know a weird predicament. Me being the middleman, you know, mm-hmm. me being as tenured as I've been, you know, been with the combat zone since 2011. Uh, sure. As you said, you know, be, being the face, be kind of you know being the hardcore face of both companies. You know, definitely put me in the spot at times. Uh, but I, I, you know, as I told both promoters, you know, I'm, I'm loyal to both of you guys, you know, you know, nobody's ever done nothing, you know, to me personally bad. So I'm just, I'm going to show up and do my job and, you know, keep me out of your drama. Cause one, I don't care. It's none of my business. And I just want to show up, get paid and do my job and make sure the fans are happy with my body of work in the ring. Yeah. Now, you know, 
Nick Gage. Um, this is a guy that, you know, as you said, was supposed to happen in CZW. Initially, this was a match that you refused to have anywhere but CZW. Um, yeah. You know, some things changed. And, um, you know, well, first off, what, what changed that made it kind of open to happen somewhere else? Because I think in the long run, GCW is the right place to have it. But traditionally, you know, CZW was the initial goal. No, one hundred percent. And uh, yeah, as you, as you said, like when me and Nick Gage, the the place I wanted to happen for nostalgic reasons, for personal reasons, for historical purposes, I wanted that match to happen in CZW. These were CZW guys, and I, you know, it would have been good business for CZW, so on and so forth. And then Nicky went away again. We we couldn't do it. And then once Nick came back, um, you know, I'm not Nick's business. I don't, you know, I, I'm so on and so forth, but it just, you know, Nick seems to be, you know, comfortable and at home at GCW and just wants no parts to CZW. Uh, so obviously right. the match wasn't, wasn't going to happen there. And I'm at both companies and it just came to the point where, you know, unfortunately I know this match that I wanted to have happen at the dub isn't going to happen, but I know it can happen at GCW. It'll be just as good. It's just under a different banner for a different mm-hmm. promotion. Um, but it's pretty much the same fan base. You know, a, a lot of those fans, at least the Deathmatch fans, were at GCW. Yeah. So all the, all the right people and all the right fans still saw the match they wanted to see just under a different banner. And at that point, I knew it wasn't going to happen at a dub. So I'm like, fuck it, you know, let's, let's make it happen at GCW. And we've done it, two, you know, two times so far, and they've gone pretty good, and we got one more coming up. Yeah. Now, you know, that first match, um, you know, it was one of those, I mean, I, I, I predicted both matches happening the way that they happened. And it's one of those predictable things that you're not upset by whatsoever. It's not like, Oh, I saw that coming. You're like, yes, it's going to happen. Just like I thought, you know, and, and I mean, that mm. finals, that, that first match was probably one of the best death matches of all time. Like without question, I don't know anyone who watched that that didn't feel the same. Um, I, I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. It was just, it was a great atmosphere and just, yeah, man, uh, you know, I, I waited a long time for that match. You know, Nikki heard about me for a long time from so many people and I was a fan of his for so long. So when, uh, when worlds finally collided and, you know, me and him finally faced off, you know, magic happened. Yeah. I mean, now also CCW was the original base and hope, for it to happen but the way things have changed the landscape of czw and the possibilities other than you know a show in delaware or something gcw is probably the only place that you can have the match you had right uh no 100 i would definitely agree the as you said the landscape of the company has changed um the, the wrestling business has changed so much you know from when nikki was gone to when he came back again the company has changed so much. That company changes every every day, to be honest. And, you know, for bad and for good. Um, but right. I, I definitely do think for how the company has changed, um, for what the vision is of the company, where the company wants to go now. Maximum Nick Gage happening at GCW was, you know, definitely. And we got to do the match, you know, that we needed to do and wanted to do because it needed to be violent and crazy. And, you know, GCW was definitely that perfect spot for that match to happen, 100%. Yeah. Um, now, the second one happens, and, um, again, I, I was like, man, this is, this is going to be part two. 
you know, and uh, I said, yeah, it makes a perfect setup for part three to be the rubber match and all of that stuff. Um, what do you, mm-hmm. you know, what's your thought process going into match two, knowing what you did on match one and you got to live up to that standard. And like I said, yeah. match one was my favorite, but match two was no joke. I mean, you guys are, you know, really going over the top with these matches are great. Yeah, look, match match two was rough. Not, I mean, uh, and people have to look at it like this: match two, match one, and match two. You know, both of us did two rounds before that. You know, both going right. in, both going, both are bloody messes. So when we finally face off for the third time in a couple of weeks, we're finally fresh. You know, it's it, it's the only match we're having, and we're not in a tournament setting. Um, but mm-hmm. the, yeah, the second match was unreal. The second match is probably one of the most brutal matches. I've ever had, and you know, I, I can't speak for Nick, but as far as the the, the stipulation itself with the concrete blocks, um, yeah, th- they were some of the most brutal bumps I ever did. Especially the the superplex from the top. My ankle still isn't the same, and when we hit when we hit those blocks from the super from the superplex, I smacked my head so hard I didn't know where I was for a few minutes. And yeah. I'm just, but we're but we're still going. Uh, even just even just the the as simple as a body slam on those on those cinder blocks are you know are no joke. But yeah, that the the second match so brutal, um, but so much fun at the same time. As crazy as that sounds, uh, so now in, in a couple of weeks we have to top what we did the first two times. Uh, but knowing Nick and knowing myself and knowing you know pretty much we have you know free reign to get as as violent as possible. Uh, at GCW, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it being a problem, you know, to try to, you know, I don't think there, there is top each match with special in its own right. I don't think sure. there is topping it, but I think definitely we'll be able to generate, you know, a, a, a third match in the in the trilogy and give them one last final battle to remember. Yeah. Um. Now, you know, you talk about one final battle. Um. Why why would this be the final match after all this time, all this build, you know, everything mm-hmm. else? Yeah, it's it's the rubber match, it's the third match, but if you're here next year, he's here next year, two years from now, why why is this being labeled the final match between you two? Um, and pr- that was pretty much all for me. Um at different points in the year I try to tell myself, All right, I think I'm gonna finally slow down or do this and do that. But at the end of the day, this is, you know, everybody knows I, I run a store, I run a, com- a promotion, I run a video company, I run a store, you know, this is how I, I pay the bills. So sometimes when I want to finally take a break, you know, I, I can't because this is how I, you know, take care of the family. And then the other thing was I hate the fight forever stuff. And and to me, you know, because I, I, I look at it back at, at me and DJ's original three matches that we had in 2012 building up to the cage. People remember those those that trilogy of matches that we had. They were special. They were part of a story, and they made those matches, you know, a lot more important. We did two more a couple years later. I don't think it tarnished those matches, but I think if we just did those three, they'd be even more special. And and you're right. right me and Nick could, could fight forever and have great matches for all these times. But I, I, I kind of I, I try to think look bigger picture and look forward, and I really think not that anything not that historical significance really means anything at the end of the day because it's pro wrestling and stats and wins and losses don't really mean anything. But I truly believe, you know, after the first two matches we had with going into the last one we have, 
I really think if 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 we are, you know, men of our word, because uh, you know, I, I try to stick to my word a lot of times. Um, mm. You know, if we only do three matches, it'll make those three match. It'll make that trilogy of matches. Um, you know, if people look back on them ten to fifteen years from now, I think they'll mean that much more instead of me and Nick fighting at this promotion and fighting at that promotion and taking it everywhere, which we could do and do good business and, and draw and make money. Um, but I, I really think uh, in the long run, I think it's better to keep it at GCW and, you know, just have these these three matches of, of this trilogy uh, between me and him. I think it means more in the long run. And and who knows, you know, we could still tag. You know, I'd, I'd still like to do that in the future. I think me and Nick Gage as a tag team would be a, pr- a pretty formidable tag team to, you know, yeah. handle. Um, but I, I, I definitely think, you know, and I, and I'm, you know, stick to, you know, my word as best as we can is, you know, this truly will be the final encounter and, and that's, in, and that's going into business as a, you know, as a promoter thinking, you know, myself, you know, for GCW, I'm like, you know, to promote this match, to, to get the best draw you can, to do the best business you can on December 16th. If you want to see Matt Tremont and Nick Gage, you have to be there because it truly will be the final time they'll ever fight. Nah, not you know what does it do for the the expectations and the you know the pressure on you guys to to just I mean the final match I mean what you guys did the yeah. first two times out I mean where mm-hmm. does this put you guys? Oh, it, it definitely puts a lot more pressure on me <laughs> and us in general. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, that's doing that to myself, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. I, like I said, I think, um, we're, we're going to do our best. You know, me and him, are going to give 110%. Um, you know, I'm intense. Nikki's even more intense than I am. So we just, you know, it, it's been a good dynamic so far. So knock on wood, you know, you know, hopefully everything comes to fruition and, and, and we go out there and, and give them another memorable death match with as much added or more pressure I've put on us than we already had going in. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you finally got to go to Japan. You know, the Japan is scared. The, uh, the Onita, the everything led to you finally getting to go to Japan. Um, what was your experience like in Japan? Top to bottom. When everyone who has asked me once I got back, Top to bottom, the experience was great. Uh, it was, you know, outside of wrestling and just life in general, just experiences overall. It was, you know, best experience I ever had in wrestling and outside of wrestling. Uh, just uh, the airplane trip there, landing, uh, the matches, uh, the culture, uh, just and and the people. Everything about the trip, top to bottom, was was just a great experience. Anita took such good care of me. And I, I'm just a fucking kid from South Jersey that wanted to be a, a hardcore wrestler. Never in my million uh, wildest dreams when I was 15 years old would I thought I'd be wrestling Onita uh, in Japan in an explosion match. Uh, and for him to be so kind to me, because uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people tell me he doesn't, he doesn't really, you know, take well to, you know, to Americans or trust them. Um, but, you know, he just... He, he came to America, and from when when he told me and what his wife told me, uh, he saw he saw the passion in me when I when the, in the promo that he watched, and that's why he came to America to fight me. He, was, he you know like you said he didn't come here just to fight anybody. He, he came here to you know wrestle me. So it was, a, it was a testament to all the stuff that we did to get him here, 
And then to go there, um, you know, every night he took us out to dinner. You know, the, the nicest establishments I've ever been in in my life. I'm used to eating at Burger King and McDonald's, and he was taking a, taking us to, you know, really expensive places, took us out shopping. Um, it was just so kind and so, uh, you know, just good to me overall. And then uh, the matches were so much fun, you know, getting to be in a, in a real, you know, no-rope barbed-wire explosion match with Onita over there. Just top to bottom, the the trip was was great. I didn't want to come home. I told the wife, if it wasn't for you, I would have stayed because I had plenty of more days on my visa to stay there, and I'm pretty sure I got a, I could have got some more bookings. But overall, it was just a great. Ex- I can't thank Onita enough. You know, I what I would never in a million years would I think. You know, looking back and and watching tapes of him growing up, would I wrestle over there, wrestle him over there? And for him to do all the things he did for me, so forever indebted to the deathmatch legend. Yeah. Um, now you had mentioned, you know, when you came back, or I don't know if you're still over there, but you had mentioned online that you you want to end your career in Japan. Um, is that a, is that a real goal? Is that something you're looking to do? And you know, are you talking freedoms, Big Japan? Are you you know back where you were? I mean, what are you looking to do? It it, it was such a culture shock over there, and just how all the wrestlers and promoters did business. It was just, mm-hmm. it was because, you know, sometimes, you know, January, I have been in the business for 11 years. I, I, you know, the, the highs and the lows dealing with so many people interacting with so many people over the years, sometimes wrestling over here gets shitty and mm-hmm. you just sometimes you get, you get down on yourself and this business will beat you up. It'll beat you up physically. It'll beat you up mentally. And some, mm-hmm. you know, recently as this year, you know, sometimes I'm like, Man, I'm just I'm I'm sick of all this. I've been doing it for so long. Uh, I I've put my body on the line for so long. I've been, I've been you know hitting the road hard. You know it, it it wears and tears on you. And I go to Japan and I, and I just it just like I said the culture, how everybody did business, how everybody treated one another. It was just so refreshing. I'm like man, I wish how how everything is in Japan. I wish that how I wish it, that's how it was in the United States. And I'm like mm-hmm. man, if I could. Once my, you know, in-ring career, you know, starts to wind down or at least slow down a little bit, man, I would just, you know, love to go to go back to Japan. doesn't matter what promotion it's for, uh, just in general, I'd love to go back there and work because it was just, it was, it was just that great over there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, you've said you don't, you're not looking to retire. You're looking to back off of tournaments and everything else, but. I, I mean, can you top the year you've had now? I mean, that's my first question. It, it's tough because I, I said that to myself after 2015 when I won uh-huh. the title and won three tournaments in one year and just had, you know, a lot of good matches and a good body of work for that calendar year of 2015. And then 2016 happened and won a few more tournaments and had another good year. And then I'm like, man, how am I going to top 2016? And then this year happened with all the dream matches and Japan and Onita. So I'm I'm sitting here at the end of a calendar year going into twenty eighteen. Well, as you just said, how could I how could I top this year? And, you know, fortunately enough, you know, as I said the previous two years, you know, I've been able to do that and I think I I'm hoping twenty eighteen will definitely be the most I think the, the most different year in and out of the ring for me. Uh, personally and professionally for many reasons. One, I am slowing down. I'm not traveling as much as I am. I'm kind of staying in within the tri-state area. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm promoting. I'm, I'm promoting a lot more with H2O and stuff like that. So sure. my, it's definitely my my full time wrestling schedule will definitely be its thinnest in 2018. Mm-hmm. But but you never know. Something could happen, and you know I got to start wrestling more because I got bills to pay. It, sure. And that's just life, and you never know what's going to happen on on a day to day basis. But I definitely know right. I'm. You know I'll definitely be working a lot less this year. But I think when you when you do see me wrestle, the matches will be important. And, you know, they'll mean something. And I'm, you know, not just doing violence for the sake of violence as much as I was doing the last mm-hmm. few years. Um, and, I, and I'm and i in a different place in life now. I'm in a different place in the business now. I'm, I'm, I'm the older guy in the locker rooms, you yeah. know, going to these promotions now, putting over the young guys, getting the next crop of, you know, deathmatch and hardcore wrestling ready for the future. So I'm I'm definitely a different spot and position than I am in the business now compared to two three years ago, and it's it's crazy because it was all, like I said it was only two to three years ago and how so much stuff changes. So yeah, I don't know. 2018 will will definitely be a different year for me, uh, mm-hmm. but I I never I never look at it as man I I got to top what I did you know the year before. I, I look at it as as long as I'm I'm keeping busy consistently. I'm still working, you know, every weekend. And I'm putting forth a good body of work, and I can still go, and the fans are still enjoying what I'm what I'm doing in the ring, and I'm able to you know take care of the family at the end of the day. That's all. That's all I can ask for. Sure, um, and you know the other thing as far as you know the the retirement or the end or you know. You know I've talked to a lot of people. I just had Ian on last week. He said he saw you. Um, I think over uh, one of the weekends he said he saw you, he said, man, he's walking worse than me at this point. And you know, that's gotta be scary, you know, at at your age to to know that sometimes, I mean, you're not looking your age, you know? So, I mean, is there a way that you can, you know, heal the body back up at some point, like tone it down, heal back up and then live like a comfortable life or are you kind of, you know, painting yourself into a corner? No, I say I, I a few years ago I think I was because I was going balls to the wall hardcore every weekend traveling. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, my, my schedule 2015 2016 was crazy, and it was a, a little less this year because I didn't. I you know that was part of our. Right, I, I gotta s- try to slow down in some instance, so I won't take as many bookings. And I'm not you know I'm not doing death matches every weekend opposed to like I was the last few years. Right. And then at times, like I said earlier, I'm like, you know, at one point I would like to take a break, you know, write myself off with storylines from, you know, mo- most of those promotions that I work for consistently so I can take a few months off and come back fresh. Um, and then cause a lot of times I'll think about, you know, the fans have seen me consistently everywhere, you know, for the last five, six, seven, eight years that I'm like, you know, sometimes I want to, you know, come back, reinvent myself so I can come back fresh. Like like how they'll write a guy off raw on, on TV and then he'll come back in six months and come back mm-hmm. fresh and re, reinvigorated. Um, and then the other thing is health-wise. And I know the weekend you're talking about with Ian. Ian came down WrestleMania weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in a lot of pain. Uh, I wrestled Pentagon that weekend. I wrestled Eddie Kingston that weekend. And physically, I, w- I was not doing good. And, but, and people... Ian, you know, people will say a lot, like, Matt, you're walking like Ian or walking worse like Ian. And sometimes, yeah, you know, I, I have my better days than some. You know, sometimes I'll get up and I'll feel okay, and then some days I'm, I'm walking like Ian. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, the the, the grind the you know, of the last, you know, almost 11 years in the business has definitely caught up with me. 
being in it since I was 17 and now almost 30, uh, you know, I, I look back at pictures of me from 2012 till now. I see, you know, I see it in my eyes. <laughs> you know, it's definitely yeah. taken, it's definitely taken its toll. And you know, I'm definitely, you know, with the wife and I got the dog now. And 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 really, that's why I I opened the store. I'm promoting more now. I run, you know, the double stomp video filming shows. I have all mm-hmm. these other ventures now to make money so I don't have to wrestle as much so I can give my body a rest and, you know, but still be involved in the business because at the end of the day, this is all I know. And, you know, I know a lot of people in the business say this is how I make my living, but they're still living at mom and dad's house. Um, you know, I truly do make hey, this is how I pay my bills and take care of my family. All I do is wrestling. 24-7, if I'm not on the road wrestling, uh, I'm promoting wrestling. I run a wrestling store, so I'm around at 24-7, so it's all I know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I know at only 30, but I've been in the business so long, I, I feel physically I probably feel like a 55-year-old man, as bad yeah. as that sounds. But, again, yeah. I knew that getting into this genre of wrestling, this is what I wanted to do. No regrets. You know, when I, you know sometimes when the wife's got to pull me out of bed to get up in the morning, I knew that was going to happen one day because of all the, you know, the cage of death bumps and the bumps in the floor and all the crazy stuff was going to catch up with me. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely trying to lessen my schedule, lessen my load a little bit in 2018 because um, I've told many people before, and I'll, I'll joke around a lot, like, oh, I'm going to retire and do this and that. But really, I don't want to say the R word. No one really ever retires in wrestling. If I could take a nice mm-hmm. break for a little bit, that would be great. But uh, I, I want to wrestle until I'm old, until I can't walk anymore. Um, and I just, because I, I, I love the business and I love being around it. And then at the same time, sometimes I hate the business and I hate being around it. Um, yeah. But now I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever truly retire or do fake, you know, all these, you know, like Terry Stone's retired a million times and then came back in a couple months. And that's one thing I don't want to do because I don't, I don't ever want to lie to the fans. And I've never mm-hmm. done that and I never will. So I, I sure. think at some point, in 2018, I think I'll finally be able to take, you know, a break for a couple months and come back. Um, but I, I definitely think you're not going to see me as much because I'm going to mm-hmm. lessen my load. And that's so physically I can continue to do this and physically and, and mentally, you know, I can live, like you said, live life comfortably, you know, have kids one day, you mm-hmm. know, so on and so forth, you know, so I can get out of the chair when they get home from school and throw around the football or something, I want to yeah. be able to physically do that stuff. I have a tough time now just running around trying to trying to chase my dog around the backyard. So yeah. you know, like I said, I'm only 30 years old, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can finally take that break for a few months this year, and then you know reevaluate some stuff, and then and and keep going because you know, like I said, this is all I know, and wrestling is a is a bad and good drug that you you, you want to keep doing. And uh, it's, it's addictive. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you know, you mentioned not always doing death matches and everything else. Um, you, you work Matt Riddle. Um, that's definitely a styles clash. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on working Matt Riddle and, you know, your experience with it? That was great. That was another instance that, you know, Cordero at Beyond, you know, always, you know, looking at me, not just as a hardcore guy. Um, so, you know, that was one thing I appreciated because a lot of, you know, a lot of places I go, they've seen all the craziness over the years. So they just label you as, uh, he's just a hardcore guy. 
but just you know, this past weekend was doing family shows in front of you know, you know, ten year old kids and you know, you know, playing the Hulk Hogan character. So you know, I, I can do all that, but you know, when Beyond would give me that platform to do it, uh, I had a lot of fun working with Riddle. Man, he's he's at the top of his game and he's one of the you know top guys right now. You know, in the business, so I had a lot of fun working with him. And uh, really enjoyed the two matches that we had. And that dude can go. He's keeping busy and doing very well for himself. Yeah. Um, now, On Point Wrestling, um, you know, this is a company that, you know, you put on your back between you and Loudy, you know, created something. Um, I know a lot of fans firsthand have, you know, showed up to On Point Wrestling because it was something that Matt Tremont was involved in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you you bled On Point Wrestling. Um something at some point happened where you parted ways from on point wrestling. Um, I don't know yeah. what you can say about it, but, um, I mean, what can you say about it? Um, what I can say, I mean, people, obviously there was probably speculation between fans and, and the guys in the, in the business. They're probably thinking his assumptions and happen every day in wrestling. Cause nobody knows the truth. And then to seek the truth, they never go to the two people that they should go to. So people just assume things, and that's how things sure. happen and get on the dirt sheets in, in this great business. Uh, but at the end of the day, me and Lowry never had a, a blow-up. Um, he's been my best friend for a long time. He's the guy that discovered me and, you know, helped me when I first broke in the business to help me get a name out there. So I'm always indebted to him, He's always and he's always a good friend. Um, I think – Personally, for me, why I wanted to part ways from the company was I, I going back to me lessening my load because I have a lot on my plate at the end of the day between wrestling, running the store, the production company, and then starting H2O and still running on point, running two promotions, it, it, it's a lot of work. And, you know, I think creatively I wanted to do a lot of different things, but I never wanted to step on Jeff's toes because even though at the end of the day we it was both of ours company – it was his baby, you know, at the, at the end of it, at the end of the day, it was, I always looked at it as it was Loudy's company. It, you know, as far as the booking and the vision and the product, that was all Jeff, uh, as far Mm -hmm. as all the other, all, as far as the other logistics and the day to day operation of the company, I did everything else as far as doing, uh, tickets and press releases and, uh, production, you know, and just getting all the other, pretty much everything else, that you would think of that you need to run a wrestling company. I did on my end. So it became mm-hmm. a lot for me to juggle both. And I didn't want to, you know, give, you know, more attention to the other, you know, so on and so forth. So it just came to the point where, uh, and, and the other thing was you can see Matt Tremont in that South Jersey area at a lot of different companies. So mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of lessens me as a brand, and I don't want to say a brand, but just lessens me. I guess the specialness as a performer. You can see Matt at OPW, at CZW, at GCW. So, you know, it, it becomes not special to see me in the area. So I'm like, oh, I, I can pay twenty dollars to see Matt this weekend, or or maybe not, because I can see him the next weekend at this promotion twenty minutes away. So I, mm-hmm. I, that was that was a factor. So at some point I'm like, I got to lessen my load as a promoter because I can't juggle the two anymore. And I knew, you know, we built that promotion from the ground up, you know, you know, January will be the five year anniversary. We built it from the ground up, you know, before this social media explosion happened and all these other promotions popped up within the last year and a half, two years. 
and we really built a quality brand, established guys, and, and made a name for ourselves. But I knew at that point, I'm like, all right, I, I have to walk away as a performer, and when I do that, I have to walk away as part of the you know promotion itself as being of the promoter and all that to lessen my load uh to so i don't you know to, and just take some stress off my hands and before i left you know i didn't just leave laddie um you know high and dry with all this stuff and work to do i made sure people were were in the positions that d- to do all the stuff that i did for him mm-hmm. laddie at the end of the day is a grown man he's been in the business for quite some time now he knows what he's doing and he knows what he needs to do to continue to keep that promotion going um yeah. and at the end of the day Laddie has a regular job, and wrestling is uh, a hobby and something he does on the side. Wrestling, for me, is my business and how I pay my bills. I'm going to make more money promoting my own promotion to pay my bills, aside from helping a promotion out where I'm not really making a lot of money because I want to see the promotion grow. You know, right. at all point, I, you know, I, never, I, I want to make a lot of money at all point because I wanted to make sure the boys were getting taken care of and this promotion was growing. So it was never a money thing. But like like I said, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to lessen my load. I got bills to pay. So there was many, many variables of why I stepped away. Um, but mm-hmm. for people to think there's any heat between me and Laddie, none whatsoever. He's one of my best friends. We don't talk as much anymore because just life happens. And, you know, he's got his stuff going on and I got my stuff going on. But no ill will. Uh, when I when I had my, my, my last match there in September, you know, I ended it with a big promo saying, please continue to support this company because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to waste the five years that we, you know, worked together to build that company up because we put on some quality shows and we we made, we gave a lot of talent the outlet to make a name for themselves that are now doing great things elsewhere. Um, Tony Deppin, Jeff Cannonball, and then revitalized a lot of guys in Unbreakable Andy, the best around. So On Point did a lot of good things for a lot of different people. So I want the company to still grow and prosper and, you know, continue to do their thing. It was just time for me to walk away, and I hope Laddie can keep it going and keep it going strong. Sure. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, CZW, you've taken on the uh, the role of of half-owner of CZW. Um, yeah. Yes. What, I mean, what's your thoughts on this angle i i think it's ridiculous but um i mean yeah. what's your thoughts obviously you know again you don't you don't make it up but uh yeah uh it's tough i mean if you it's 2017 if people like a few i think a few weeks before or a few weeks after they made me uh you know part owner of the company you know I, my buddies were doing a benefit show for me to help with medical bills and stuff like that so I, I'm hoping people don't think I'm I'm some millionaire that had this, you know, stack of money sitting aside to, you know, truly invest in the company. I think at the end of the day, people know I don't. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to break the fourth wall or kill any kind of storylines, but I'm, you know, as you at the end of the day, I'm not truly invested financially into the company. I, I wouldn't want to take on that burden or that or that responsibility, nor am I financially set in life to be able to you know, do anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And this was kind of when they kind of killed the awakening right before the Anita show. And I was, I, I, I had mixed reviews on that because I thought the, I thought the awakening was going great. I thought Stockade and G Raver were doing great. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. my friends and I, you know, we, we, our body of work was good enough. 
and I thought the fans were buying into it. The matches were good. I thought we were all doing good business, and then they got killed, and they want to make me commissioner. Uh, I think they looked at it from, from various reasons to make me commissioner. I don't know if it was to lessen my load, to look out for me, so to, for me to take it easy and just wrestle once in a while, which, which is fine mm-hmm. with me. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it probably could have been done a different way or I could have been put in, in just in a commissioner role and not mm-hmm. and not come out and say, you know, he's 50% owner when there's a lot of other things out online knowing that other people are in positions in the company, right. you know, that have bought the company. So I definitely would have, you know, I guess, you know, booked it a little differently. But you know me, at the end of the day, I'm going to go out there and do my job. If I'm the 50% owner, I'm going to act my part and, and do my best. Sure. Um, and then I think the other was, the other reason was, is that I have a good relationship and rapport with the fans. You know, I'm always online and, you know, but, you know, pe- people go to my shows, so on and so forth. So I think, you know, as far as handling some of CW's uh, PR online, like, uh, when, when the when the stuff with the building happened and after we announced alcohol and then there wasn't alcohol, you know, they, they put that on me to take care of. So I've <laughs> I've actually had some stuff to like, you know, take care of with with you know, being partner or whatever. Um, which I don't mind at all because 'cause I'm always on social media and doing press releases, so I don't mind doing that public relations stuff. Um but yeah, that probably could have been handled a little bit differently. Um at the end of the day, I still wanna wrestle, I can still go. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they wanted to give me a, if they wanted to give me a couple months off, you know, to heal up and and do something, that's great. But I think I'm at the point now, like, I'm, you know, wrestling Jimmy Lloyd at Cage of Death, I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, I haven't had a match in right. CW since the Onita show, so I want to go. Yeah. You know, I want to go out there and Cage of Death and steal the show and kill it with Jimmy Lloyd. So that's all that's on my mind right now. But I hope going forward, you know. I'm going to do what you know needs to be done, but I'm going to go out there and wrestle for CCW because I still think I'm a viable asset in the ring for the company. For sure, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, the my big issue with what is, you know, they pretty much press released who bought half the company or, you know, who bought into mm-hmm. the company. And then at Sammy Callahan's the booker, like everything's been so public. And then it's like, oh, Matt mm-hmm. Dremont owns half of it now. It's like, oh, come <laughs> on, guys. Yeah, um, it's it's. Uh, you you definitely gotta you gotta pick and choose what you put out publicly. You, you you gotta be careful of what you put out publicly, and then when you put stuff out publicly and you're not ready for the ramifications, that's on you. And you can't go deleting stuff. And I, I you know I've seen stuff on Facebook and so on and so forth. But you got you gotta be honest with the fans, and you mm-hmm. can't. I mean, there's one thing for to suspend disbelief. There's another thing to, you know. Uh, knock everybody's intelligence because again right. it's 2017. So yeah, I mean, definitely could be handled differently. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. You know, I love sure. the company, so you know, I'm gonna be there on the second Saturday of every month. <laughs> right now, you know, promos. Promos have always been a very strong thing from you. Um, I've always kind of wondered um, when you have a guy like yourself who can cut promos the way you do. And I really think that has a huge part of selling a show. I've seen people cut promos that I didn't previously care about their match. And that, that made me wonder like what's going to happen in this match. Um, How, how does it come about that? Are you asked to cut a promo for a specific show? Do you offer to cut a promo? Cause I feel like, you know, a guy like you should be cutting promos on every show. But again, if, if that's not what they're looking for, then why would you, you know? 
Yeah. I don't it, it, It's weird. Sometimes you'll have a camera in your face and they'll say cut a promo, and sometimes you don't. And then a lot of times, you know, I have my own YouTube page, and I'll take it uh-huh. from myself if I have an upcoming match for a smaller promotion, but that's a big match that I want to get eyes on. I'm going to cut a promo for that and try to, you know, generate some interest and generate some buzz. Uh, and it was kind of that independent initiative that, that pretty much that goes back to, you know, calling Onita out. And I'm like, let me just put some promos out there. Eventually somebody's going to watch and listen to them and, you know, it's going to generate some interest and, you know, get some people involved and, and hyped up for something. Um, yeah. Especially now with social media and, you know, you can shoot a promo whenever and put something up. Um, sure. You know, if, I, if I'm a young guy in the business, I would I would be cutting a match, cutting excuse me, cutting a promo for every match I have coming up to sell yeah. yourself, sell your opponent, sell the match, sell the company. You, you know, these, these promote as a promoter now. That my biggest thing is to get promos from these guys, yeah. especially for H two, especially for H two O. You know, the next show is our three hundred five Big Man Hoss tournament. I'm not on that show. I'm just going to be there that night playing promoter. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, I got 16 guys in the tournament I want to promo from so I can continue to promote you. I'm not promoting Matt Tremont. I'm promoting this company that is invested into you to promote you because we see something in you that we want to continue to use going forward. And, you know, especially for this one specific event, uh, you know, this horse tournament. Um, so, you mm-hmm. know, getting promos from guys sometimes is pulling teeth. But really, man, I mean, you know, put as much stuff as you – it's all about content now. Yeah. Put as much content as you can now. You know, everybody – you know, everybody – and it's so easy now. Everybody has the capabilities of, you know, uh, doing some editing and off some little program and, you know, putting content out. Yeah, man, film as many promos as you can and, and invest in yourself that way. I don't, I don't like the Twitter talk as much. I don't go on right. there and say, you know, I just promote the poster, promote my match. I don't do like, the in character stuff on tweets mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I, I really shy. I don't like that stuff. But I'm like, you know, put out a promo, you know, and plug that. Plug your show. Plug the promotion that's investing in you because they see something in you to promote. So, yeah, put, put the promos out because at the end of the day, you could be, you could do all these great moves and you could be the most talented guy in the world. You can't fucking talk. Uh, I, I'm going to look for the next guy that can, that has a full package that can work and that can talk because that will separate you from the rest of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's really important. I honestly think if, you know, you have eight matches on the card, there should be promos for every match. Cause you know, if only one promo catches someone's attention to get them in the building, then you're a draw. I mean, that's, that's, I think the, the point, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Get them promos out there, and you know, I, I try at least with H2O. I'm not trying to preach about H2O or anything like that, but you know, we've got a select amount of you know angles going on. You know, coming out of our last show, I make sure to you know get those big segments up online so people can follow what you know the the main angles are. Follow those angles up with the promos, building into the next show. So like, yeah, that that content is extremely important. Because I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch a segment or a promo over a match any day of the week. I mean, at the end of the day, people remember those moments, those big moments in wrestling, face-offs and stuff like that. You know, opposed to you know, people are gonna remember great matches, but I, I'll remember a great promo and a great segment that's gonna 
you know, hook, line, and sinker me into paying $20 to go see this company or see this guy specifically to wrestle because of what I saw online. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for instance, uh, GCW book Schlack versus Eddie Kingston. And the first thing I thought is I got to see promos out of these guys because, mm-hmm. I mean, if those 100%. two guys can't cut promos, you know. So, yeah. Um, IWA Mid-South, uh, you, you know, you're a longtime IWA Mid-South guy. Um, you know, they've had some problems as far as, you know, attendance and everything else. Um, you're a guy who's now promoted as well as worked there. Um what do you think they could do to increase their attendance? Um, what do you think they could be doing differently? Cause I mean, Ian puts on great product, but um, I mean, what, what is your you know perspective on it? It's wrestling is such a weird business now in 2017. And it, it, it's so weird because he, Ian and IWA is in a completely different market than opposed to here in the Northeast where mm-hmm. companies are draw, you know, most, you know, there's really not a, there's not a lot of shindies out there anymore. Most of the companies in this area are all quality, and everybody's drawing, you know, pretty well. And it, you know, Ian's, you know, ten to thirteen hours away from here, uh, can, has put on a consistent great product for years, and has produced talent and angles and matches that people, you know, will remember for a lifetime. And then, yeah. you know, you see the, the crowds that he's drawing. Uh, it, it's so weird. I can't speak for myself because I, I haven't ran that market. So I wouldn't know how to promote that market and right. and how to, how to market itself and promote it out there. Um, I, I just know, at least for myself, for this area, a lot of people now, you can't get, you can't get happy feet with just promoting online, the old school hustle and flyering in town and hitting the streets hard is still important. So you, you, mm-hmm. I just like you can't rely on Facebook and Twitter to get your shows out there. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's great. It, it, it's a good reminder that your show's happening, uh, especially for upstart companies. Because H2O is still a young company. We've only ran six shows. So, you know, the, the social media is just a constant reminder. But usually two weeks out before every show is when I go hit the town, hit the local shops, you know, hit the parking lot, some flyer, put up some posters, um, and my store is a big part of that because I'm local in the area. People can buy tickets. They can get flyers. So my store is a very influential part of, you know, in the promotion, uh, you know, tactics of promoting, you know, uh, H2O. But I, I don't know. It'd be tough, uh, like I said, to pinpoint what IWA needs to do to get attendance up or whatever they need to do to better business. Um, but, I, you know, Ian's always going to run. He puts out a great product. Uh, mm-hmm. I owe him. A, I owe him a phone call personally, and I will talk to him. You know, but you know, IWA is always going to do great things. Uh, you know, people. Sure. At the end of the day, people always have their eye on the company for all the things they've done over the years. And you know, if you're trying to grow as a performer, IWA is one of those places you need to get to in order to grow and generate a name for yourself. So it's always going to be one of those stable companies out there that are always going to be relevant wrestling because they're going to, they're going to continue to put on a great product. Sure. Um, it's pretty much everything. I want to talk about the H2O show you got coming up, the Haas tournament. Um, let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, this is probably, I would say up to this point, our biggest show. It's, uh, you know, a specific, you know, uh, special feature show as, as I look at it. Um, Actually, Jeff Cannonball and 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 the wife kind of had the idea 
you know, to do a big man tournament. And it's nothing rocket science. You know, you got 205 Live and, you know, the Cruiserweight tournament. You had the, you mm-hmm. know, the women's tournament. So, you know, it wasn't rocket science to put together a, a horse tournament with some of the big guys out there and girls with you because know, we've got Maria Manic in there as well. So, you know, you don't, you know, you know, it's not a shoot. You got to be three hundred and five pounds to be in there. But we got sixteen, you know, of you know the top, you know, big guys and just you know strong style, big you know horses in the game going at it, uh, along with uh, the hybrid title uh, and then the H two O title, which is currently held by Jeff Cannonball against Dan O'Hare in a doorway to death match. So you get your violence on the show. You're going to get a little bit of everything, and uh, you know H two O is you know creatively for me my vision of you know what i you know hope and be of pro wrestling should be and you know six shows so far and you know we're, we're slowly we're slowly growing and you know my biggest thing is creating a good environment in the locker room making sure the boys are happy they're enjoying what they're doing and uh you know so far so good so i, I really hope you know, everybody comes out next Friday, the night before Cage of Death, make, makes it a, you know, a doubleheader weekend for everybody. And come check out H2O and, you know, see what we're doing at Williamstown. And hopefully you like it. And hopefully you keep coming back because I, I think we got something special in the works. And we're small, but we're growing. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, pretty pretty proud of, you know, the locker room of guys that we have and the product we've been putting forth you know, for the last year and a half. So, yeah, I hope people come out and, and check out the Halls tournament. It's, it's, it's something different, and hopefully it's something special and something we can do, you know, annually. Yeah. Now, who do you got lined up in? I know um, you had uh, two drop out, and I think you filled one of those spots with Gacy, right? Yeah, Phil, uh, Ricky Shane Page and Moff had to pull out for some other commitments, uh, all good. And then uh, Phil Joe with one, one of those spots. Uh, the other spot's going to be a mystery, so you got to come to the okay. show and find that out. Uh, but we got Bill Carr, Bull James, Stockade, Ace Romero, Fruit Van Sight, Greg Excellent, uh, Kyle the Beast, uh, Maria Manic, and Nate and Dave of the, of the, the rep. Uh, I think who else, but that's the majority of the names. So, you know, some, some of the top big guys in the business. You know, and then uh, Monster Mac is another one. So you got some mm-hmm. of the top big guys in the business. Uh, four four first round four ways, and those four winners advance to a four way elimination final. Then you got the two title matches, and so yeah, seven matches on the card. So yeah, hopefully people come out and check out what you know the hardcore hustle is all about. Nice. And you ran a, a secret death match show. Um, yeah. How did that all come about? Uh, something I had the idea back in September. Basically, what it is is another concept that's not groundbreaking or anything, but it's the old Ultraman Underground, which we all love, mixed in with the Beyond style wrestling studio tapings. I didn't want mm-hmm. to advertise it or promote it as an event, you know, due to legalities and stuff, and we were going to do light tubes and stuff. So I didn't want to promote it as an event. So it was a secret show that I only inv- I I reached out to about 30 of the local diehard, you know, deathmatch fans in the area, you know, keep it mm-hmm. hush hush. Um, they all came out. We had about 30, about 30, 30 fans come out for the taping. We did 11 matches, stockade, G Raver, myself, low life, Louie, Schlack, some of the best deathmatch guys and, and guys from H2O going right now. And uh, it, it was great. We're calling it the subterranean violence. It was volume one taping. And like I said, it was pretty much the old Ultraman Underground matches. 
mixed in with the studio audience. And uh, the crowd, uh, everybody who came out was great. It was a great time. All the boys had a lot of fun. And all 11 matches were great. Light tubes, barbed wire, taxi, you name it, we did it. And all the matches were quality. And I'm hoping this is something we can do a few times a year. All the matches were all first-time-ever matches. So when you pick up the DVD or the download, you're going to see 11, 11 death matches that you know, between guys that haven't fought each other before um, with all the violence that you want at, under, under the H2O banner. And, you know, hopefully it sells well, and it'll hopefully be something we can do a few times a year as far as these, you know, secret shows go. And uh, just, just another project and concept that I'm hoping – another creative outlet – that I'm able to do now with H2O, and it's just another project. I hope that'll help H2O grow and get some eyes on us because I don't want to just be a deathmatch fed. Um, but, you know, when you come to H2O, you're going to see some hardcore, you're going to see some violence. But with this, I really wanted to do because, you know, I wanted to do deathmatches, and there's a market for it, and there's some great fans in the area that are bloodthirsty for it. So, you know, yeah. we had 30 of them come out. They had a great time. Uh, you know, I basically what, what the gimmick was, I trust it was forty dollars for the entire day, and for that forty dollars, you saw eleven first-time ever death matches, uh, and with that forty dollars, you were also fed. I ordered pizzas and food and drinks for everybody, and so for forty bucks, you saw a lot of great death matches. You got fed. Uh, fans came. They helped out and helped build gimmicks and weapons. And just we started at noon. We were done at four o'clock sharp, and everybody had a great time. And hopefully, you know that. Tra- it translates well on DVD, and like I said, I hope it's something we can do a couple times a year, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to plug, put out there? The floor is yours. I appreciate it as always. Thank you for you know, having me on, man. It's been a minute, but, you know, I got a million shows coming up. Cape 305 Halls, for, you know, just check. If you haven't checked out H2O, come check us out. Uh, Cage of Death's around the corner. GCW's around the corner. There's some a lot of great shows in the month of December. Uh, but as as always, I'm not able to do any of this uh, without your guys' support, all the listeners' support, you know, whether it's you support on the store, you know, Double Stomp Video, H2O, or, or buying a ticket to see me, you know, do my thing. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I can't feed my family without you guys and your support for all these years. So I appreciate it, and I thank you guys for listening. As always, Jake, Dan, I appreciate the platform to come on here. Anytime, bro. Thanks, and uh, you know, keep killing it. Stay safe out there, man. You got to start walking a little younger, bro. I, I, I will do my best, man. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thanks again. Uh, no problem. Take care. You too. So there you go. There's the bulldozer, Matt Tremont, and. Uh, you know, great dude. Always love having Matt on. Um, man, uh, he said 2011, I think, was his first year. Uh, I had him on in 2011. It's been that long. I've been talking to Matt. And, uh, you know, great dude, like I said. Um, so I, I don't really want to cover too much more tonight. I think I'm going to save whatever other wrestling topics and all of that type of thing. I, you know, I have a couple things to say and, uh, you know, things that have transpired and people to <laughs> delete me off of Facebook and stuff like that. But I mean, and honestly, there's no, there's no bombshells to drop. There's no rants and raves to go on. I'm going to hit this track real quick and come back to my plugs and head out of here. Oh, 
Mrs. Abraham Lincoln Other than your husband's fucking brains that were leaking How'd you think that play was this weekend? You ain't the real Slim Shady Sit your ass down, faggot See me on a ballot I'm running for class clown Rich Democrat bitch So I'm just a candidate Come fuck up the whole party Me and Flipmo starting a campaign To have every campus on a fucking rampage Act my goddamn age I am eight So let's get smashed And wake up the next day with the room crash Covered in band-aids Glass ashtrays smash Champagne slaps on the lampshade but this ain't up for debate, this is undebatable Shady for president, ho, don't make me go take it back To the days of old with Sway and Tech Radio When I was taking so much nodals and LSD I almost fell asleep on the wake-up show Fuck you telling me, fools I was whipping shop, raising helipin' jewels When Penelope Cruz was still developing booze Me and Buck put it down like a sick pack You're fucking with that dog, fucking internet blog I sit in front of my computer all day and comment on everything I'm an expert on everything, everything sucks Play the next song Guess if I hopped out your freaking laptop You idiot bitch with Biggie and kicked the living shit out I've been wrong. Son of God, I'm a dog like a wet log. Boys never get clogged. I'm so full of self-esteem that I sweat fog. Yes, yes, y'all. Study on the left, y'all. Step off and you get stepped on. Talk about as commercial as my fucking Learjet. Jealousy will get you green as a chia pet. I can see that you're visibly upset, dog. Alert, alert, girl, alert. Once you went to in my house of pain, you're in a world of hurt. Jump around, jump, jump. that ass shaking. Jump around, Came to hit you with a fan favorite. But if you fly for coach, better get them on some freaking hands flailing. And jump, like Van Halen and pray for a damn tailwind. More afraid of success than I am failure. So what does that tell you? Then on a grand scale, I don't give a fuck about nothing like fan mail and his last piece of fan mail before he ran straight into the damn railing. Yeah, um, check out the Hot Tag Podcast. They're doing their thing, I believe, tonight. Um, tonight, yeah, tonight. Um, they're doing their thing tonight. They've been lighting it up with interviews and all sorts of shit. They've had uh, Homicide and Slack and Gage and all sorts of motherfuckers within the past couple of weeks. Uh, you can check me and Shaheen out on the weekend, Saturday, uh, Sunday, one of those days over the weekend, we'll be back at it talking more wrestling shit. Like I said, I got a couple things to cover and talk about and everything. Um, but, um, you know, big fucking wrestling shows coming up. So, you know, right around the corner, Cage of Death, right, you know, a week away from this weekend. So, if that makes any sense. Um, and then, you know, a week after that, GCW. So, a lot, a lot of big shit going on. Uh, We should definitely have some shit to cover and talk about over the weekend. So I will be talking to you again with Shaheen over the weekend. If something happens and we don't do it, I'll do another solo show or something. Make sure that, you know, you get a couple of shows out of me. So um, that is what it is. Um, Like I said, I hope everybody enjoyed the uh, Tremont interview. Took me a couple of weeks to get to it, but you know, life happens. Shit happens. uh, And uh, like I said, uh, hot tag podcast, Anything else to cover? I don't think so. So I'm going to go play some motherfucking Star Wars on the PlayStation 4. Uh, the, the Battlefront 2 is dope. Uh, check that shit out. And check me out next week. Talk to y'all motherfuckers later. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's rain again. I'm tired of rain. Make the grass green. Don't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. 
need people like me. I listen to your to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy. So what I make you good? Like Jesus tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people and I'm like, well I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Cusa Chick Radio. Jesus! So say good night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools.